welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Lord, I thank you that, that we gather together and that there's no show to put on, but that we're just here seeking you. And Lord, I am definitely seeking you right now, and, and I need you. Lord, as, as I open your word and share with my brothers and sisters here um, what I've been studying and going through, I just pray that you would filter, Lord, that you would uh, fill me with your spirit, Lord, that you would take the words and the thoughts that are not from my brothers and sisters here today and, and discard them, Lord, and that you would fill me with things that would be encouraging and exhorting to them, uh, Lord, encouraging and exhorting to me, uh, Lord, things that would bring you glory, things that would would be our daily bread, Lord, that we would be able to just be filled with your word and that we would be able to together just live in your spirit and become more like your son. Uh, Lord, I thank you that this is not a prayer in vain, Lord, but that there is power that we have through the spirit. And, and Lord, I thank you for that. I give you praise for that. And I just lift up this time for you in your son's name. Amen. Let's get into the word. Uh, so last week, Eric talked about uh, the church, and we were in the book of Ephesians, and he talked about the the church uh, was a people that were both reconciled to one another and reconciled to God, and that as they came together, that they were like a family. And we talked about the the church often in, in our culture is seen as kind of like a theater or a multiplex, right, where you go and you, you see a show, you get entertained, and then you go home. And then the other thing that we'll often see the church as is a marketplace or, or like a store where you, let you go and there's kind of a buffet of self-help goods and you can kind of just pick the self-help good you need and then it's good, you got what you needed, and then you go. And both of those scenarios, you're not connected to the church. And when in Ephesians, it talks about the church as a family. It also talks about it as a kingdom and, and, and looking at the, the church as citizenship to uh, the, the kingdom that that. Christ created uh, that's not of this world and it is more eternal. But this family aspect is kind of the functioning of the church. Uh, a family is a group of people committed to one another and bonded to one another and living life with one another in order to bring God glory as far as the, the way that God has created the family, right? And as we were kind of talking about that, Josh, Eric, and I are you know, thinking through, okay, the church is supposed to be a family, and how do we, as elders, encourage the church to live out that call, that, that God-given direction that we are to be a family? Um, so we talked about some guiding principles and values that we can use to focus our journey. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just realized that I did not give any of the PowerPoint slides to you guys, so you won't be seeing any of this up there, so you have to just take notes. Uh, so there's these guiding principles uh, for us in our journey. So we have these five values. So uh, we want these values to be part of our DNA. And, and these five values are pulled from Scripture. And, you know, we were kind of talking about the different passages. And, and Eric and I were talking about, uh, you know, beginning of the year, it's good to kind of give a vision, give a focus. And last, year, or, uh, last week, Eric does the, what is the church? And then this week is, okay, how does that affect us? And, and we wanted to introduce these five values. And as I was looking through the passages and thinking, okay, I don't want to 
Uh, I don't want to just kind of come in and say, okay, these are our five values and we don't have any scripture. Uh, you know, we're just kind of making this up as we go because that's not the way we do things. We want everything to be based out of the word. And we had, you know, passages, you know, spread around. And I thought, well, I don't want to kind of go through like, okay, we're here for this and here for this, here for this either. And then I was, I was praying about it and thinking about it and I remembered that in the book of Acts, you know, it's all about the church being established. And in Acts chapter 2, uh, there's this passage at the end that actually encompasses all of these right in that passage. So that's where we're going to be today is in Acts chapter 2. And if you guys want to get your Bibles out, uh, turn to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to give you guys some context. We're going to start in verse 42, but uh, we're going to talk about kind of what's happening before that. So in the beginning of chapter 2, there's 120 people, and they're in a room. They're, they're gathered together. And the 120 people are the apostles, uh, Mary and Jesus' brothers. Uh, we've got you know, their families and other followers that were there at that time, the people who were committed to Christ right there in the early uh, days of the church. And suddenly, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they started uttering in tongues that were not of their own. Right? So it, from the text, we can see that the, the uttering that they were doing, they knew it was not of their own, so, so they were not speaking their native language. And then when they went out and others heard them, they heard their native language. So this is a miraculous thing. And, you know, if you guys are, uh, if that makes you feel uncomfortable or you think, like, that's different, um, you know, my, my wife who's on the mission field, there's a, a friend of ours who was there. They were walking uh, through the Ukraine. Um, they were in one of the cities. And the, the guy that was with her, um, he felt moved by the Spirit to go and talk to these people. And he went over and started talking to them, and, and he talked to them in tongues. And they were from, they, they, they spoke some kind of Chinese dialect. I, I know there's multiple, you know, Mandarin and, and a few others. But he spoke to them, and they understood what he said. So this is, you know, like two away from me. This isn't just kind of like a, my wife's brother's friend, neighbor's dog's cat once said something and someone understood. So this is something that is miraculous for sure and, and continues to happen today, but it's not an everyday occurrence, right? So they begin speaking in tongues. The people that are gathered see this, and they are some in awe. That they, They're saying, like, why do we hear the language? That, why do we hear our native language? These are Galileans. And some of them say, those guys are drunk. I don't understand a word they're saying. They're just slurring their words and they're mumbling. So some heard, some did not. There was a work of the Spirit in that. And the ones who were in awe were ripe to hear a message. And that's what Peter did. Peter got up, and there's thousands that have you know, come around, and they, he, he comes up and he starts teaching about the, the prophecy and Jesus being the Messiah and that Jesus is fulfilling this, the, uh, the prophecy in the Old Testament, and he's talking to the Jews uh, that have gathered, and then at the end he tells them to repent and to flee the corruption of the day, right? And, and that kind of brings us uh, right up to verse 42. Actually, one more important detail. Um, so he says that, and then 3,000 were added to the church. So we went from 120 to 3,000 in one day. Like, God help that executive pastor that was was in that 120. You know, if Peter was kind of the teaching guy, I don't know, maybe it was James or, 
or somebody else, like the logistics of adding 3,000 people is insane. But, you know, that's what happened. 3,000 people in a day, and they became the church. Now, as I, as I read the text for today, as I read 42 through 47 is where we're going to be, um, I want you to think about, because all five of the values that, that we're centering ourselves on and focusing ourselves on are in this passage. And, and I don't want to just kind of give them to you as, like, hey, this is what, what we have. I want you to search for them. Because we need to engage in this. Like, these values aren't just something that I'm going to tell you, and I want you to kind of like, oh, yeah, I understand that, and then go home. We want to internalize these. We want, we want this to be part of our church, right? Uh, so, so as I'm reading it, think about what are the motivations? What are the things that the, the early church valued from this passage? And if we, we go through and we, we start looking at them, you know, what are those things that in their heart were the most important and how does that affect the way that they lived life? Okay? All right. Uh, so we're going to start in verse 42, and it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right. Great passage, right? There's a lot in here that we can see just kind of like bullet point on what's going on in the early church. And the first value that we see is in that first statement, right? We've got, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? So there's two key concepts in this passage or in this, this section. Uh, devoted, which means to give all or a large part of one's time or resources to a person, activity, or cause, and the apostles' teaching. And, and I, I just wanted to go over that devoted again because I, this is a really critical part of the message as far as the application goes. They were devoted. If we, if we reread that, that first part of 42, it would say, and they gave all of their time and resources to the teaching of the apostles. Right? That's how it would translate if we, if we looked at the meaning. The apostles' teaching, if we look at kind of what was that, okay, so we, we see that they were giving everything to that. What was the apostles' teaching? And, and if we want to find out what the apostles were teaching, we can look at what they were uh, instructed to teach, right? And, and we find that in Matthew 28. And if we go to Matthew 28, starting in verse 16, we can see uh, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. This is, you know, uh, the, the Great Commission, uh, they, they worshipped him, uh, but some doubted, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the, the key verse here is verse 20. Right? It says that he was teaching, he instructed the apostles to teach the people to observe 
all that he had commanded them. He also instructed them to go and make disciples of all the nations. So he gave them a mission uh, to accomplish, but he also gave them instructions on how to accomplish that, accomplish that mission. And the, the instructions on how to accomplish that was teach them as I have instructed you. Give them the commandments. And, and those commandments, that instruction, that teaching that Christ gave, we commonly call the gospel, right? It's the good news that, that Christ came, that he was born, um, he lived a life that was perfect, it was sacrificed on our behalf to cover the sin uh, that we commit so that we could be unified with Christ. And after that unification, after that, that moment uh, where we are justified before the Father, then we continue to be sanctified and we develop fruit of the Spirit, we're indwelled by the Spirit. All of that is the gospel, is, is how we would refer to it. So the first value that we see that it was present in the church in Acts, but also is present today and something that we want to continue to live into in the future is that they were gospel-centered, Okay? So value number one is we are called to be gospel-centered. We as a church are gospel-centered. All right, let's, uh, let's look at it, how that affects one other thing because that verse, that's just the first half of it, and their dedication, their devotion to this was not just to the apostles' teaching. That's just the first part of it. And if we continue to read, it says, uh, and, and we'll start at the beginning, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the teaching and the fellowship. So they were, they were fully devoted to both the teaching of the apostles and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So these three aspects they were completely devoted to. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So they were devoted not just to the idea or knowledge of the gospel, they were committed to living this out in community with each other, right? Um, and, and to do that, they needed some sort of help. Because I don't know about you guys, but just about everybody I have a relationship with, from my wife to my kids to my parents to my in-laws to, to friends and, and the church and coworkers, relationships are difficult, right? There's conflict. So we need a power to really make that happen in a God-glorifying way. And, and we see that here because they weren't just devoted to fellowship, for fellowship's sake, but they were devoted to the fellowship, and they were devoted to breaking of bread and prayer, right? So the, the dedication that they had, we see in, in the dedication to prayer, we see it in the, the, the works and the signs, the wonders and the signs that would be done through the apostles, um, and we see kind of two values here, but the, the one that I want to focus on first is that they were spirit-empowered, Right? We can't do this on our own. We're not just an organization. We're not just a club. There is a supernatural component to our church. And, and I think as reformed people who, who tend to be a little more stoic and, and knowledge heavy and we want to understand everything, we forget that there is a working of the Spirit through our lives and an empowerment and a dependency that is required for that to happen, right? Right? So, so the, the early church, the second value that we see in this passage is that the, the early church was spirit-empowered, and, and we want to embrace that. T yesterday in the history, we want to embrace it today. We think we see that it's present, and we also want to have that be something that we're living into into the future. 
All right, we're going we're gonna to keep going through. Uh, so starting in verse 44, we see the phrase, all who believed were together and had all things in common. Um, and, and this is kind of building off of that, that they were dedicated to the fellowship, right? So they're dedicated to the fellowship. They have all things in common. What does it mean to have all things in common, right? I mean, that's kind of like a, a nebulous phrase. Even more than that, how many people were added to the church? 3,000, 3, right? How many friends do you guys have? Like, I'm guessing none of you even have 3,000 friends on Facebook, and, and those aren't real friends, by the way. Um, like, that is something that is heavy in this passage. Like, how did they have all things in common? Like, what does that mean? Does it mean there was no conflict? Does it mean that, like, they were all 3,000 of them in a room every day? I mean, that would drive my wife nuts. She's a little bit more of an introvert. I'm a little more extrovert. And it would drive me nuts. 3,000 people with them every day, right? Like, that's just not what was happening here. And, and we see that from the text, and, and we'll continue through. But 3,000 people, they're not, like, tuned in to everybody in, in the, the church, those 3,000 people do not have significant personal interacting and relationships with each other. What it means is that they as a people had all things in common and that they were bonded by this greater thing. So this speaks to the fact that because they are in Christ, they have all things in common, right? There, there's the uh, passage that uh, Jesus says in, in the Gospels, I think it shows up in a couple of them. Uh, he says, uh, that you, unless you hate your brother and you hate your parent or you hate your father, hate your mother, right? Like, it's like, whoa, wait a minute, I have to hate people in order to go? But no, like, there's this contrast that the commitment to me, the commitment to Christ, the commitment to Jesus has to be so strong. It has to be such a, a force behind the priorities in your life that all other things are insignificant, Right? And they all filter through that. So when it says that they had all things in common, they were unified by the most important thing in their life. And that is very, very similar to a family, right? And, and, and I know that there are families that are broken, right? Like you've got, you know, relatives that are toxic to you, and you've got abuses that may have happened, and, and families are not perfect, but, but what family was designed to be, what God intended it to be before we kind of, you know, messed it up a little bit, was this, that we are united in a common bond, and we're moving in a, in, in a direction, and that we have all things in common, that my good is your good, and your pain is my pain, and we see that in Romans 12, uh, verse 15, right? Uh, there's kind of instructions to, to, Christian, uh, to Christians on, on how to live daily life. And, and verse 15 says that you're called to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And, and that's what we do, right? I mean, if, if you're in a family and you have that bond with somebody, the closest people um, on this earth to you, when they are in pain, your compassion draws you to pain also right? Like you feel it for them. And when they are joyous, you're not jealous. You're not concerned that they have something you're not. You're happy for them because it's bringing them joy. And that's what the church valued in the beginning and what they were drawn together. There's all 3,000 of these people in their pockets of community. They were in common or they had everything in common because everything to them was the beauty of the gospel being lived out in their life. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so 
The third thing that we're going to see is uh, that the early church is called to be a family. And, and we talked about that, that last week, and, and that's kind of the, the third value, the, the third thing that we're looking at. They were a family then. We are a family now. We want to continue to grow as a family as we grow as a church. Let's see. Uh, and their, their love for one another, uh, the, the connection that they had drew something out of them. And, and if we look at verse 45, we can see the actions that came from this value that they had. Because they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Like, that's pretty radical. Like, when was the last time that you saw somebody in your family, right? I'm, I'm not even talking about church body yet. Like, your, your actual family, that they had a need and you said, you know, I don't have the cash liquid right now. Let me go and sell my TV so that I... <laughs> that's, that's a big sacrifice. Uh, let me go sell my TV so that I can meet this need for this other person, right? I mean, we live in such a country of wealth that this doesn't even comprehend for most of us. Like, we can't even imagine a need that would be that extreme. Like, we would just go put it on our credit card, or we'd just, you know, go get an advance, or, or we would just cut back on Starbucks, or, you know, I mean, like, there's, there's so much that we have as a society, even those of us that are making, you know, the least amount of money, like, compared to history, I mean, we are the wealthiest people in, in, in all of the universe, all of the history of the universe. So this, this is a crazy thing that they did. And, and the teachings of the apostles were what motivated that, right? Because Christ's teaching is a call to compassion. I mean, there is, and that's our fourth value, that we are called to compassion. Um, there is no better call to compassion than imitating Christ, because think about it, right? What did, what did he do? He came to us at great expense. We just talked about this with Christmas, with the incarnation, right? He gave up much to become a man, to become a person, and to live amongst us. And not only did he give up to become a man, he became a man who was in poverty. And then he, he lived a life that was good and perfect and admirable, and he was falsely accused and he sacrificed everything in his life. He was killed in a horrific, torturous way so that the debt of our sin could be paid through the cross, right? Like, that is compassion. Because it wasn't like people were like, oh, man, Jesus, thank you for coming. Yeah, no, they're like calling, they're blaspheming against him. They're, they're calling, him for, calling for him to be crucified. There's people trying to trap him in his words. There's, I mean, his life was not like this comfortable life of praise and exaltation. And everywhere he went, people greeted him with a, a sturdy handshake and a, and a nice meal. Like this was a call to compassion for a people who didn't care about him. Like that's compassion. I mean, we look at the church selling their, their needs and distributing to each other. That's compassion, but that's to their family. I mean, Christ did that while we were still his enemies. So, so this call to compassion is demonstrated by Jesus, who we are to emulate, and it's not just that we feel for people in their circumstances, that we have compassion for people in our hearts, but that we meet needs at our own expense, especially for those whom we love, right? 
So, so this value that we have, that we are called to compassion. And our last value uh, that we're going to look at comes from verse 46 and 47. It says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. With the greatest message in history of hope and redemption, the Spirit inside of them empowering them, a supportive family around them, right? People kind of encouraging and supporting one another, uh, and filled with compassion for others, they were given a mission, right? And that mission, that fifth value is that we are on a mission, like, they were on a mission, it's the same mission that we have today, and the same mission that we're going to continue down into next year, or this year, next year, and, and into the future. Their mission was simple enough to live out day by day. It included attendance and activity, not just in the temple or the church, but also in their homes, right? We see that. It says, day by day, they were attending the temple together. And, and a lot of the times, a church is like, hey, we want you to attend church. We want you to be here. And we do. Like, we're a family. We want you around. We're not, like, trying to boost our numbers or anything like that. We, we legitimately want you as an individual here so that your gifts can be used and people can be blessed. Um, but it's also that day by day, they were breaking bread in their homes, right? Their lives, their social life was interwoven with each other. Uh, so, so this mission was just living out their daily life. And the activity, if we look at the end, was they, were, they received their food, they were glad and generous in their hearts, and they were praising God and having favor with all people. So that, that mission, that, that activity that they were called to do was to praise God and to find favor with all people. Right? So... Those are our five values. That's it, right? We're, we, we, we've packed through this verse a little bit <laughs> more extended than I wanted to, but, uh, but, but that's, that's what we've got, right? We are gospel-centered. We are spirit-empowered. Man, I wish I had my slides. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, we're gospel-centered. We're spirit-empowered. We are a family. We are called to compassion, and we have a mission. So I want you guys to say those with me, right? So number one, we are gospel-centered. Ready? One, one two, three gospel-centered. Number two is we are spirit-empowered. So one, two, three. We are a family. We are called to compassion. And we are on a mission. Okay, so, so you kind of hear it, you say it, you know, we could do a dance. Just kidding. <laughs> Uh, so we want these to be part of our DNA, and, and here today as we grow, um, first off, like, we're super encouraged that we, we don't feel like these are things that we're not doing, they're just things that we're identifying, right? We, we feel like all of these are part of who we are as a church already, but we haven't communicated that to you necessarily. So in the next few weeks, you're going to see, um, we're going to be putting some banners in the, the room here, we're going to do a little bit of uh, decorating uh, outside of the wonderful school decorations that are uh, provided for us every year. Uh, right now, I think we have criminal mug shots on the back side. It's just a joke. <laughs> uh, the, so, so those are going to be brought in, <laughs> and we are going to, they're just going to be in front of us each week, right? So that we, we're just reminded of them all the time. So we're going to have some banners with those on them. Um, and 
I want to spend kind of the rest of the time that we have together to, to sort of talk through what that looks like this year, because these values are something that we want to lean into, not just be uh, aware of. So to be gospel-centered, how are we gospel-centered as a church? Well, <clears throat> before we, um, <coughs> excuse me, before we talk about opportunities, just kind of starting with the fact that as an elder board, uh, we are completely committed to the Word of God. So not just one verse here or there, but to the whole context of Scripture. We believe that it is inspired by the Word of God, that it is infallible, that it is, it is perfectly given to us as a vessel of the Spirit to communicate with us directly. Okay, So if you have issues or if you have questions or, or you want to you know, uh, launch a ministry or you feel like something is coming up, we're always going to come back to the Word as the basis that we all agree on, right? Like this is kind of like our commonality and, and we, we can discuss it and we can tear it apart and all of that. So it is of the utmost importance to us as elders. Uh, but that doesn't make our church gospel-centered because the church was not the apostles. The church was the 3,000. So for us to be gospel-centered, that means that you guys are gospel-centered, Right? So, like, we can come up here and say these are the values of our church. It doesn't mean anything. But how do we help in that, right? How, how do we help you guys be gospel-centered? And, and some of the ways that we're doing that, there's a really awesome way right now. And I know Eric talked to you guys about the daily Bible reading plan that we're doing. We started a WhatsApp group. And, and those of us that are in it, it's super encouraging to me. It's so much easier for me to, to get in and do that study each day with, when I know that my brothers and sisters are around me doing it as well. Like, it's just so awesome. So, so that has been awesome. Um, we've got the podcast uh, that you guys can listen to if you, you know, miss a week or you want to listen to it again. And, and you're not limited to podcasts because it's not, like being gospel-centered is not just being here on Sunday. If your life is centered on the gospel, that's the most important thing. It's the thing that comes up every day, every moment, every hour. You know, Eric talked last week that, what was it, uh, only, I think it was one out of eight Christians have a spiritual conversation once a week. Not that they're sharing their faith, just any spiritual conversation. It's something that they know, but it's not something they lean on. So that's a challenge to us, right? Like, I, I don't think that we're there. I, I, I see you all through the verse, of, verse in Philippians, right? Everything that's good, everything that's holy. I look at you guys and I think, why do we even have to talk about this? They're doing it already. But I know there's a reality because I look at my life and we just are always tempted to slip away from it. So just thinking about things, how do, we, how do we include that? You know, you could listen to other podcasts. Eric, Eric and I and Josh and Marcelo and Kenny and, and the, the guys that are up here teaching, we're not the only ones on podcasts. So grab some other ones. You know, if you, if you don't know any, come and talk to me. And Eric, I mean, we, we've got the podcast you can listen to and, and just be listening to the word. It's a great thing because you can do it while you're doing other things, right? Uh, books. What books are you going to read this year? It's really important to understand that what goes in comes out. So if you have something in you fresh, it's going to come to mind. And, and I've seen this over and over again with the daily Bible reading. Every day, you know, we read something and I think, all right, well, check. And I finish that. Say a prayer. Don't feel like, whoa, I'm empowered. But then something that day comes up and those verses are relevant, right? I, I mean, they just come to mind. It's what's in there. So just being obedient to 
create a diet every day, God's going to be faithful and it's going to be used. It's going to be what you lean on, right? What you recently ate is what's fueling you through the day. And it's the same thing spiritually. All right, spirit-empowered. How are we going to be spirit-empowered? Um, how do we focus on being spirit-empowered this year? Uh, it starts with a humble heart, right? You are not going to be spirit-empowered if you are trying to be self-powered, right? I mean, that's number one. We have to break away from being our own God. Uh, we have to make sure that we're not seeking our own gain and that we trust God, that, that we're not attached to the things of this world. And, and some of that may be that we need to start with a confession of sin also. Like we need to take a hard look at our life and just own up to like, I'm blowing it in this area. And, and I just need to confess it. And, and you need to find somebody else in the body that you have a relationship with and you need to talk through it. Right? It doesn't have to be Eric or I or Josh or, or anybody. Like it can, we're, we don't have the bat phone to God. Right? Like we don't take confession. And it, you know, we're not the Catholic Church, obviously, but like we just, like you can confess your sin to one another because you are the church. Uh, you got to be in prayer and we've got to be in fellowship. Right? If, if you think that the Spirit is going to empower you and you are at church twice a week, you're not, going to a fellow, or you're not going to any kind of group, you're not talking to anybody on the phone, you're not in the Word, where is the power coming from, right? So, so these are, they're not revolutionary things, they're just reminders for us. Um, prayer is the most important thing. And, and when you're praying, pray for the gifts, right? Pray that the Lord would give you wisdom. I mean, we see in James 1, 5, right? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. So, you know, ask with confidence, you know, like, I prayed at the beginning of this because I was a mess, and I knew that the Lord would come. Like it was, I, I wasn't worried about it. I just knew I had, to, I had to lay this in front of the Lord. I had to tell you guys, I can't do this without the Spirit, and, and even with the Spirit, right? Like, I'm still a man. <laughs> like, you know, you can come up and, and object to things or say, well, I don't know about that gospel-centered truth, and I'd say, well, let's look at the Bible because I can guarantee that this is Spirit-driven, Right? Um, so, so spirit-empowered, that's the way you pursue it. You ask for it, you pursue it, you, you consume everything that you can. And the Word of God is the instrument that, that empowers us through the Spirit that is guaranteed. Um, just a, a note on the fruit of the Spirit also, because we can pray for the gifts, but we should also be looking at our lives that we would be growing in the fruit. And Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Write that down. Look at it later. Galatians 5.22 and 23, because that's the evidence of the Spirit in your life. If you say, man, I wish I was Spirit-empowered, and I'm having such terrible days, and I'm just feeling attacked all the time, and yet you are continuing in forbearance and self-control. You're continuing to seek the Lord. You're continuing to persevere through that. The fruit of the Spirit is alive in your life. Fruit of the Spirit doesn't mean that you are happy all the time. It means that you have joy through trial. So, so just be aware of that. Study that a little bit. Dig into it. It's, it's very 
Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a fruitful study and, and meditation to continue to, to travel down as studying the fruit of the Spirit and, and developing it in your life. Um, how do we be a family? So we have to be present with one another. Um, we have small groups. Uh, you guys should be inviting each other to dinner and, and lunch after church. Um, you know, f- have phone calls with one another. You, you've got to know one another for this to happen, right? I mean, that's, that's number one. And you guys, you do this really well. Like, I, we don't feel like, like nobody should be feeling beat up after this. Because I, I look at this and I was like, man, God is so great that this is happening amongst us. And, and some of you guys are newer to the church, so, so those relationships are still developing. And those of you guys that have been with us, look around. Find the faces that you're not familiar with. And go and talk to them after service, right? I'm not saying that you have to, like, become best friends. There were 3,000 people in the beginning. I mean, like, we're like 100. Speaking of that, Mike or somebody, can you do a count? Because <laughs> I usually do that. Um, <laughs> that. That'll tell you why that's important later. Um, okay. So we're like 100. I mean, you have a way easier job getting to know the church than, than the church in Acts did. Uh, so, you know, once we're spending time with one another, then we've got to care for one another. We've got to talk about deeper things. We've got to get past sports and politics and kids. And oh, I don't know, kids are pretty deep. But, I mean, like just the things that we automatically talk about, the weather, right? Like how many times do we have conversation with somebody about the weather? Isn't that bizarre? Like we may as well not talk about anything. Like we were all just outside. We know what the weather's like. So we got to get deeper than that. We got to talk about like, and, and we have to be willing to talk to others about what's deep in us. We have to be more transparent. Um, seek counsel from one another, right? You're making a decision. Don't just be confident in your own. Search the scripture, but also talk to the people that you know, right? It doesn't mean that you have to go the way that they're counseling. It just is good to seek the counsel of others because when you ask someone else, hey, what is your opinion? It bonds you together. Like, it, it shows that you respect them. So, so seek the counsel of one another. Um, learn about one another. Pray for one another. Look for needs among the body and act on them. And that starts us along the how, how do we live out compassion. We did homeless bags this year. Uh, we, we go to Sun City Gardens, and when I say we, I mean Elisa and a handful of others, um, We'll go there throughout the year. Elisa is really consistent with it. So if you want to, to go and reach out to people who are the least of these, people who are, are left behind and forgotten, and uh, be able to be a minister to them, talk to Elisa. She can get you the details on, on how to join that ministry and be involved. Um, House of Refuge. Holly's up here in the front. We support Holly. She's a missionary in Cambodia. This is a great way that we can be compassionate. Uh, the, the girls there... You know, I mean, we're, we're sending them to school. We're pulling them out of sex trafficking. Um, you know, we're, we're discipling them, not just for, you know, a, a six-week program, but for years. We're investing in, in these gals' lives, and we've seen <clears throat> beautiful marriages come out of that where, you know, the, the church that they're involved there, they're, you know, meeting guys, and, you know, we, we just are looking for the, the church to be fruitful and multiply and... <laughs> She says it's happening um, in a good, godly way. We're not, you know, this is good. Um, so talk to people who are different than you. Try to understand them. Compassion is not about fixing. It's about providing, right? So one of the things that, that I feel like we could grow in here is, like, we live in a divisive culture. And, and 
every day we're called to tribe out and, and be with our people and separate. And you know what Christ did is he crossed that line. He went in with the taxpayers and the prostitutes and the people that were not seen uh, as clean as the Jews. So there was this divide and he couldn't go with it. You guys, go and talk to someone and just hear them out. Don't try to fix them. Don't try to change them to your thinking. Try to understand theirs. Just just that is an act of compassion that that we lack right now in our culture. And if you guys are doing that, that's going to open people's eyes just like it did in the book of Acts. Um, How do we be on a mission? Uh, We share Jesus, right? That's it. And if you feel like, how do I share Jesus? I have a couple of things that I want you to consider. Before you can go up to someone you don't know and share Christ, you have to be having spiritual conversations with people you do know. Right? So if you're not having spiritual conversations with people you do know, you're never going to get to the point where you feel confident enough to share Christ with someone you don't. So start there. Just talk about your faith, their faith. The, the second thing is you have to practice your faith in public. Right? So, and these are little things that are often not connected to evangelism, often not connected to the mission. Do you pray for a meal when you go out to dinner? Like, do you feel like, oh, that's, I'm, I'm kind of making a public statement here. I don't want to be seen in that way. Like, I have. I still do. Every time I pray, you know, my wife and I go out to dinner and, and we pray beforehand, I suddenly am aware that I'm praying and people could be looking at me, right? Like, it's just weird. I mean, it just happens. So, like, we have to be comfortable practicing our faith in public before we can share our faith in public. This is, that's just kind of like another little step there. Um, and then... Start with compassion, right? Be compassionate to people you don't know before you start to change people you don't know. Because that's what we're trying to do, right? Like, if I'm sharing the gospel with someone, I'm not the instrument of change, but I'm trying to bring change about. Because repentance is change. Other ways that we can um, support the mission is support Lorianne, right? Lorianne's translating for a whole other people group. Like we, can, we can support the mission not just through our own actions and sharing of Christ, which I think is important and we all can do in the, the spheres that we have, but also through the missionaries and the work that we support. Right? Um, when you guys tithe to, to our church, I mean, we have a mission. We want, to, um, we want to pursue laying roots in Menifee. We want to be able to impact the city of Menifee, and we believe to do that, we would be much more effective if we have a building and a place that people could go to and identify that we are a figure in the community. Make sense? Um, okay, so, so closing with the values, and, and I'm going to do just a really, church, uh, really quick church recap. Closing with our values, I, I want you guys to understand if we look at our lives, and we think about what dominates our calendar. Like, what are we spending our time on? If we look at our lives and we think about where are we going to be filled up? Where are we going to, to relax and to be recharged? If we look at our lives and we think, what are the thoughts, what are the worries, what are the anxieties that are, are constantly drumming through our mind? Those are our values, right? 
Because we can say, hey, these are our five values. But if actions don't follow from those values, if our priorities are not reflecting the values that we say we have, they're not really our values. Right? Like if I say I value my wife and I value my marriage, but I'm not present, and I'm you know, flirting with other women, and I'm going out you know, across the country, I, I used to travel for, for work, and, and you know, traveling with my wedding ring off or something, like clearly I don't value that. I can say whatever I want, but my actions don't reflect that value. And, and as I said before, I mean, the values of our church are in you guys. And, and us, I mean, but, you know, we're only three. You guys are a hundred. So just take it to heart and, and pray. Like, this isn't to discourage. This is just to remind, right? One of the responsibilities of teaching is to exhort and to encourage the Spirit to break up the rocky soil. So if, if you guys are feeling like, you know, I agree with those values up here, but I'm analyzing my life and I feel like there's an incongruence. That's, that is our life. It is repent and change. Repent and believe. Repent and move forward. We're spirit-empowered, right? We are spirit-empowered. It's possible. This is not a massive obstacle. Eric says all the time, and I think this is really encouraging, praise God when you can repent of something. Because if we can repent of it, it means we can change, right? So repenting is a beautiful and glorious thing that God has given us and that, that we can change who we are by the power that he has given us. It's good stuff. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.